So Money Episode 825, the best of 2018, the intersection of health and wealth. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. December 24th, Christmas Eve, 2018. We're getting there. We're getting close to the new year, everybody. Thank you for joining. If you're listening, hopefully you're having a restful holiday, a peaceful time away from work. And if you're working, I hope you're cooking up something good for the new year. Today's episode is dedicated to looking back at all of the great interviews we've had over the course of this year related to health and wealth, all the tremendous insights shared by guests on So Money that have to do with physical and mental well-being and the positive impact that can all have on our finances. You know, when I think about the investments that I make towards my health, there's the good food that we purchase. I'm a bar addict. That's my go-to workout. Um, I attempt to sleep eight hours, doesn't always happen, and that's an investment of time. I uh, invest in self-care, getting away by myself, unplugging to the best that I can, and I try not to apologize for it. And I'm not sure there is a financial benefit to this, but just the other day, I was hauling my four-year-old through the crazy crowds near Rockefeller Center. I promised him we would go see the tree, and we arrive, and we're like one of a million people there, And but we had to go see the tree, and I was really tired. He was really tired, so I... I said, you know, just come on, let's get on my back. So I gave him a piggyback ride through Midtown. And I remember in that moment feeling really thankful that I was able to physically carry him on my back. And it didn't really give us any financial benefits to have me carry him through the crowd like that. But I was really grateful. And, you know, gratitude does lead to more abundance in your life. And so don't quote me. You can quote Oprah on that one. So that's just my little story about how my health is contributing to happiness and you know ultimately that's the best right we're going to hear in this episode from a medical doctor a meditation expert a pelvic healer and an entrepreneur who recently detoxed her way out of a stressful divorce and a business and in each excerpt my goal is to help us see the bigger picture of how health and wealth do intersect. Some of these excerpts are longer than others. But first up is Dan Harris, episode 712. You may know Dan Harris as the co-anchor of ABC News Nightline and the weekend edition of Good Morning America. He's also the best-selling author of 10% Happier, and his most recent book is called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. He's been very vocal about once himself having a panic attack in front of millions of people while filling in on Good Good Morning America. And it was that experience that set him off on a path to discover why he had a panic attack. And he embarked on this journey of self-discovery, eventually leading to meditation. Now, Dan admits that he himself was an inspiration for his latest book, that he is that fidgety skeptic. And despite that, he learned how to meditate. And in this clip, I asked Dan, how can meditation benefit our bottom lines? Take a listen. To hear friends talk about the benefits of meditation, often they use words like, I'm more patient, I, I have more clarity in my life, I'm, um, I'm not quick to react to things that I normally would have. And so 
I'm curious and my audience is curious about the impact meditation has on our ability to make decisions around money. Did any of, the, yeah. of that come up in your research or has that benefited your personal finances in any measurable way? Well, I don't know if there's, I mean, there's been so much research on meditation. I bet you could find some studies on, on meditation and what it does to people's uh, ability to make economic decisions. I know, for example, it makes people more generous. Um, but in terms of wisdom as it pertains to personal finances, I bet you I'll take generous. Studies. I like uh, that. Uh, um, yeah, that, that, those studies I have seen. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, um, the green eye shade, I don't know, but I'll just speak from my own personal experience. So I, I found benefits, first of all, as it pertains to my career. Um, uh, so this isn't my managing of money, but the managing of my career where my relationships are much more collegially at the, at the office, my ability to, uh, bounce back after making mistakes has improved. And, uh, my ability not to take the stress of work into my personal life has skyrocketed. That is not to say I am perfect. That is perfection is not on offer here. I retain the capacity to, to be a complete schmuck, but I'm much better than I used to be in all of the aforementioned areas. As it pertains to my personal finances, um, uh, you know, I think when the market is down or, you know, back in 2008, when, uh, when we saw, uh, um, a real, um, a, a real scare in the market. I remember, um, really freaking out about that, not only about the market, but also about what it was going to do to my, to my job security, et cetera, et cetera. And now when we see big dips, um, or rumblings of some sort of um, recession or whatever, I, I notice that I'm 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 less carried away by um, just unconstructive bouts of nightmarish uh, inner projections, um, and so that that to me makes a big difference. Now I've yet to incorporate meditation into my daily routine, and I say yet as if it's really going to happen ever. But I mean, who am I kidding? I mean, I feel like it's just not something that I'm ever going to be able to do correctly or well enough. Does anyone else feel that way? Dan Harris's book is again, Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. And I think he's talking to me. Shortly before interviewing Dan, I connected with Dr. Habib Sadeki. He's the co-founder of the Beehive of Healing Integrated Medical Center in Los Angeles. Now, he arrived at his success despite a lot of adversity, a lot of odds. Firstly, he was a burn victim at the age of six. He had over a third of his body with third degree burns. Then at 21 years old, in the midst of medical school, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer and he was given just a 30% chance of living. This is episode 703 and this is where Dr. Siddiqui and I discuss how our feelings of self-worth can impact net worth. It's a really incredible episode. I encourage you to go back and listen to the whole thing. But this excerpt talks about how the mind can impact our financial well-being. And most people, they don't realize that they're walking around and they're having thoughts. And these thoughts are producing chemicals that we refer to as neurotransmitters, such as serotonin, glutamine, glutamate, epinephrine, norepinephrine, histamine, melatonin. And what do they do? They create feelings. So if we're lucky, we feel good. And what do these feelings do? Then they upregulate our hormones, growth hormone, testosterone, DHEA, estrogens. 
you know, progesterone, pregnenolone. And then what do they do? They create holding patterns that we refer to as emotions or emotional set points, and it creates a personality. Now, I need to tell you that as a medical doctor, what I've seen is so many of us, we get stuck in these thoughts, feelings, emotions, and, it's, and we get stuck in these holding patterns that gives rise to misunderstanding, misidentification, misperceptions that they limit us, including our financial realm. Well, let's talk about money because when you say reality is relevant, $30,000 in credit card debt is there's no relevancy to that. That is what it is, right? It's the reality is that you have debt, you have to pay it back and it can be stressful, especially if you're not making a lot of money, you have other responsibilities. So how do we overcome a financial reality that is difficult, stressful? When I was in India, one of the things uh, after I took a sabbatical. I spent some time in northern part of India, Himachal Pradesh, and I studied Ayurvedic medicine and Tibetan medicine. And one of the pillars that I took away from that training was consciousness precedes phenotypic expression. It simply means that the way our internal world, the finances of our internal world will influence our physiological state I don't think that it's an accident that all the root chakras, uh, the root chakras are the lower chakras, and they're usually covered by three colors, red, orange, yellow. And the reason that I bring it up is because all every single marketer on the planet, all the PR people, they know that if you want to get people to feel hungry, angry, or horny, you use these three colors. And this is the reason that all the fast food restaurants, they use these three colors because it stimulates a physiological response. Now, if we, we, if we are literally inside, we feel that we're not good enough. If we actually hold the thought that poor is pure, then guess what? We're going to have a 30,000, forget 30,000. We're going to have $300,000 death. And no matter how much money we make, we will always be caught in this holding pattern because inside we don't feel worthy. We don't feel worthy because we actually think that if we are financially affluent, we're not pure enough. And I've actually seen this. I see people with prostate cancer. I see people with colon cancer. And these are some of the most powerful human beings on the planet that they haven't really created an internal world. They haven't mined their internal financial realm. And guess what? They end up getting sick. You'll have to keep listening to that episode, 703, to learn about Dr. Siddiqui's financial code. He has a special code that he shares with his kids and everyone. It's 101080. And I really love what it represents. So I'd love for you to go back and listen to that full episode. His book is called The Clarity Cleanse. It offers a 12-step guide to working through the emotional issues that hold us all back, including financially. And also the book teaches how to increase our physical health and energy. That's episode 703. All right. So we're bouncing around the year. We're going to go back to episode 676 now. This is with Isa Herrera. You might remember Isa. She's a health expert on particularly pelvic relief. The topic is a little sensitive, a little private. Sometimes we don't talk about this issue very openly, which is why I wanted to talk about it on So Money, both for men and women, particularly us moms after having children, this can be an area of tension and pain. But as Isa says, if your pelvis isn't healthy, 
your money can't be healthy. Here's Isa. But let me tell you something. If the pelvis is not working right, if women don't feel in their power completely and fully, if they don't feel totally in their game, it affects their finances 100%. It you affects mean when everything. You laugh and suddenly you're peeing. And you're at a meeting and you're trying to ho- go through the whole meeting and your bladder is saying, I need to go pee. But believe it or not, I treat a lot of CEOs in New York City. And one of the reasons that drives them to me is that they can't sit through a meeting. You know, because wow. everything is so messed up in their pelvis. Wow. You're right. I mean, it not to downplay it, but, you know, being a woman is is complicated. It, it, it There are more layers of complexity to being a woman at work than there are. I mean, I'll just say it. Then there are probably being ma- a man. I mean, just physiologically, biologically, we are the ones who have to take time off from work to have the babies, which sets us back in terms of our profession, sometimes, often. Yes. And then when we're back at work, we're not 100%. And, and that impacts our ability to to rise at work and to do the work. Um, I'm really curious about this perspective that you have. So female CEOs coming to you because they are having pelvic issues and cannot work as a result of it. Absolutely. And the other thing that happens with me, I treat a lot of like super, you know, powerful individuals. And one of the other things that they come to see me is because they have so much stress and, you know, their coping mechanisms maybe are not what they should be for whatever reason. And this stress collects in their pelvis. And so they they sort of it like, sort of like shuts them down because they go to work. Maybe they've had a baby, maybe not. You know, some of the individuals I treat have no children and they're sitting there and they're feeling like they're not connected because that first chakra, which is the money, honey chakra, the creativity, right, is shut down. The money, honey, the chakra. money, honey chakra. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, well, what are we going to talk about in this podcast? You know, and the complexities when you go back to work and then you have to sort of fake it. Everything is hunky dory. Everything feels great. Oh, look at me. I'm so fabulous. I have one breast, one child on my breast and I'm doing the desk position. I treat a lot of lawyers, right. you know, and it's, it's sort of unfair that we can't own that part of our um, being, you know, that we have to go out there and we have to pretend like, you know, we just, everything is, perfect and we're living in a man's world but no we're actually living in a woman's world (laughs) Isa is right if you can't be physically 100% at your job for whatever reason then your work will suffer and probably your paycheck soon after Isa is the founder of pelvicpainrelief.com which is an online education portal check it out that episode again was episode 676 Next up is Petra Kolber, author of Perfection Detox. She came on the show, episode 765, discussing how the pursuit of perfectionism holds us back. And in this excerpt, Petra talks about how the mind can really control your financial well-being, how having a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset can make all the difference. So when it comes to our money, a lot of us who may be struggling with debt or perhaps of a 
a mindset of, you know, inadequacy. I could never be rich. I can't make more. I can't get out of debt. Um, how do we get in the mindset to be able to believe that we're capable of more? And I have a feeling that this is advice that could translate to all sorts of challenges. But, you know, think keeping in mind our audience, what would you say to somebody who's just like, I don't even know if I have what it takes to be to have a, a healthy relationship with money or to get out of debt because so much of it is mindset work. It's not just crunching numbers and putting money here and there. It's actually believing you can do it. Yeah. And I think that's such a great question because money is such an emotional issue. Um, and I think a lot of us, myself included, feel very inadequate with our backstory around money. I, I know from my family, we didn't talk about it because we didn't have it. It was always a struggle. And so when things were a struggle, we keep that quiet. We hide that. And then if we ever did have a good moment, which in my family, we didn't around money, but then in the English culture, you don't brag about it. So there's all this secret and having more than they have. So I think it absolutely is a mindset. And when we talk about mindset, I would love your listeners to realize this is not woo-woo. This science is now showing that your brain cannot tell the difference between the external facts and the internal stories you write about these facts. So for me to say, I am stupid around money, my brain's going to take that on and I'm going to shut down the part of my brain that I actually need to utilize to study what you're saying, Farnoosh, to listen to your podcast, to become more educated. But if I come to the money from a place of curiosity, and Carol Dweck talks about this a lot in her book, Mindset, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And I think a lot of us, especially around money, we have this fixed idea of I was poor as a kid. That's my future. I don't understand money. I'm no good with, we have these absolutes, this black and white thinking. So I would encourage the listeners, and this is something I'm working on myself very hard right now, because I'm realizing my own money stories, um, a sense of scarcity and a sense of inadequacy around knowing what to do with my money. But what I'm realizing now is if I come to my money stories with a sense of curiosity, a sense of openness and with open-ended questions um, versus saying I'm not good with money, going, what do I need to learn to become better with my money? Who could help me with this money? And I think because money is such a hot button topic, we often, like, it's so weird, Farnoosh, I ask for help in so many other areas of my life. And this is completely honest for your listeners. Only last, I had had my money sitting with a, with a financial institution for 15 years and people moved in, moved out. I get notices that this person is now overseeing your money and I just wouldn't look at it. Mm-hmm. And finally last year, I went, this is crazy. I don't even know the face of who is owning my money. And so I finally woke up. I learned what it was I needed to learn. I asked a friend for help, got a financial advisor I trusted. I met this. This is the first time for me. I had a face-to-face meeting with someone who was overseeing my retirement. And she learned my stories, my struggles, my financial, um, my, my resistance to, you know, what I could handle in terms of tolerance of risk and my age. And, and it was so liberating because I learned to ask for help. So I think... For your listeners, A, no, you're not alone in this. And I think this whole idea, oh my God, I'm the only one that doesn't know what to do with my money. All my other friends seem to have it dialed in. I feel like this whole story again. I feel so stupid around money. You're not stupid around money. 
who taught us? I mean, maybe now they do in schools. My school, I never learned anything about money, where to invest it, what to do with it, what was, you know, what was sensible. So I think, again, if we can get off this, these fixed stories we tell ourselves, and this is really important for your listeners to know, because you talk about the beliefs. Beliefs are one thing, recognizing your beliefs. And then when we know and we can look at the tone of voice that we use on these money stories and often the judgment we have on ourselves for not being more educated around money, we can take the emotion out of it and then put the action we need to put behind these stories to turn them into something positive. Find the areas that we need to strengthen in our money history and our money, where we put our money and how we can earn more money and, you know, then and then also get stop being embarrassed about making money because i think that's another thing knowing your worth and being paid for your time is not a, a selfish act it's like if you can't keep a roof over your head how are you going to be of impact and be of influence in the way that you want to be to all the people around you you know i love what petra has to say about seeking help and actually being open to having someone work with her on her finances we know this can be very helpful when we're trying to achieve physical and mental health. We have doctors, therapists, trainers. Same goes in our financial lives where there are people who can serve us and serve us well. Petra is the author of Perfection Detox, and you can learn more about her and her book at PetraKolber.com. All right. Last but not least, I want to recapture a very interesting and inspiring story shared by my guest, Catherine Lavery, back on episode 702. Catherine's managed to build an eight-figure empire called Best Self Co. It sells paper journals and other organizational tools for productivity and focus. But in 2017, Catherine says that was the hardest year of her life. It included a divorce, total burnout, and Kat arrived to this episode with me on the heels of a retreat in Thailand where she totally unplugged from social media. She did a total detox and walked away with some new perspectives on life and work and money. Here's Catherine. Catherine Lavery, welcome to So Money. It's great to have you on the show. Hi, it's great to be here. And I understand you're coming to us uh, hopefully off a good high as you spent a, a nice bit of time in Thailand in solitude, reflecting, unplugging, fasting, all of that. Uh, yeah. How do, you, how do you feel? I feel great. I feel like reset. Whenever Before I left, I was just last year was just full of like travel and work and I didn't take the time to unwind. Actually, I probably haven't unwind in like five years since I got into entrepreneurship. So I finally was like, okay, I'm not saying I'm taking a week off and staying at home. I'm going like full retreat, cleanse, you know, yoga, eat, pray, love style where I'm just like unplugging from the whole world and doing my own thing, which I'm, I'm actually setting an away message for my email, which is also something I'd never done before. So yeah, it was, it was exactly what I needed. And I came back so refreshed and just with more headspace to be creative. Yes, which is important for you because you are in the creative space. And I want to talk all about Best Self Co. And before we get into the details of the genius that you've built there, um, tell us a little bit about what brought you to that tough year. You call 2017 your hardest year of your life. I know that you went through some personal challenges as well as professional upsets, but um, take us back to that and, and maybe 
share what you have learned since, you know, sort of, I guess, disassociating from that and going away and the reflections that you had? I mean, what take us to the before and, and then to share a little bit of the after. So last year I got divorced. So, I mean, honestly, it was amicable. I mean, I don't, this is my first divorce and hopefully my last, but as far as I've seen from other people, it wasn't super dramatic or anything, but it's still like, just like sucks the life out of you. And you're trying to run a business and you're have this company called Best Self, yet you're going through a divorce. So there's this sort of, oh, I should have it figured out. I should be going through this stuff. So I know for a while, you know, before we like split, I definitely had this internal conflict with, oh, I should have it figured out. Why am I about to like go down this path that I don't know where I'm going? Um, and, I, you know, if you've been, if anyone's been through where you're in this relationship where it's like that, that comfort. And I love that Brené Brown quote. And actually that was like a huge eye opener for me when she says, uh, choosing courage over comfort. So just choosing like what you don't know, um, because there's going to be something on the other side. So I think like between the personal conflict with the divorce and everything, I also was traveling a ton. I think I traveled like a third of the year last year. And that for me, it's just like starting, stopping all the time. So I didn't have that freedom to be creative. I didn't have, I was basically getting back and reacting to what, whatever was going on and then going away usually for like conferences and that's pretty, it was pretty much work travel, but I am like introverted by nature. So I need, even though I can go out and like socialize everything else, I need my alone time. And by the end of the year, I was just, my brain was just cooked. <laughs> and I just didn't want to like meet anyone new. And I felt like, well, if I meet anyone in this headspace, it's not going to be the greatest first impression. <laughs> so I, I booked a trip to Thailand. Um, I did like a proper retreat. So it was like an eight day cleanse and, you know, I, I deleted Facebook and Twitter and news and, you know, anything that I thought was a negative impact. So I didn't want to hear anything about politi politics or I just was like, I'm so exhausted from this year between like everything on social media. I just want a complete break of everything. So I, I deleted everything off my phone. I kind of took a tech break, brought a bunch of fiction books away with me because I'd also only been reading business books for the past five years because God forbid I could just enjoy God a book forbid you and read not learn for fun. Yeah. I was like, how about I just read a book and not feel like I have to have an outcome. I could just enjoy it. So, um, yeah. And it was literally like the best gift I could have given myself. I was there over Christmas. So I, you know, I met people when I was out there. And a lot of people were burned out, you know, we were all just kind of in the same sort of headspace and we all kind of came out of it together. So it was really exactly what I needed. So I came back after that and I'm just feeling like more in charge. I don't think I was performing at my best last year and now I can see the difference and I think my team sees the difference in me. So I think if I had kept trying to push forward, it just would have continued to get worse and I don't know how that would have affected like my future with trying to run the team, if they would have had lost faith in what I could do or whatever that looks like. But I think just taking the time off and realizing that, you know, I can't do everything uh, was, was a big help. And, and I know that my team appreciates it now that I'm back. There's a lot of value in slowing down, giving yourself more peace, more quiet, solitude, and to be unapologetic about it. Like I said earlier, self-care 
for everyone is of the utmost. It's hard to make time for it now at the end of the year and feels like we're getting pulled in a lot of directions this time of year, I guess is what I'm saying. So let the new year be an opportunity to promise yourself to put yourself first, to give yourself the chance to heal in the ways that you want to heal mentally, physically, so that you can be your best self. And if you want to go back and listen to all of these conversations, including the one with Catherine, check out somoneypodcast.com. We've got all the episodes there for you and wishing you all a restful final week of 2018. But don't be a stranger. Back on Wednesday, we have another best of podcast where we're going to go back and review those who inspired us to retire early, to be financially independent, the members of the FIRE movement. Stay tuned. And I hope your day is so money. So money.